0: You're listening to a classic business podcast, as heard on Classic
1: 1027.
0: In How to Pay for the War, which was a pamphlet published back in 1940, John Maynard Keynes looked back on the way that the British government had, in the late 1910s, tried to pay off enormous quantities of debt with a combination of higher taxes and inflation. Wages hadn't kept up with inflation, meaning that consumers' incomes passed into the hands of the capitalist classes, he wrote, meanwhile the rich as bondholders had benefited from interests uh, on the loans it certainly sounds uh, familiar this time, Keynes argued it would be better to take money from the workers directly by forcing them to lend to the government while the war was on and there was certainly little to spend money on anyway later the government could pay workers back the money they had lent uh, with interest using the proceeds of a substantial wealth tax. I have endeavoured Keynes wrote to snatch from the exit of war, positive social improvement. Now, like a war, the fight against COVID-19 has seen governments, particularly those in the rich world, but certainly here in South Africa, rack up debt so large that uh, the way in which they are paid off could have a long-lasting impact uh, on. All of these economies and significantly affect the distribution of wealth. I think Milton Friedman, the father of monetarism, which replaced Keynes uh, from the 1970s to the global financial crisis, might have disagreed with Keynes a little. uh, But to talk about uh, whether or not we've brought the big guns to this particular war, I'm joined by Judge Dennis Davis of the Davis Tax Committee. Uh, Judge Davis, always a pleasure. Did the minister bring out the heavy artillery? There There is no heavy
1: artillery. That's the problem. It's been stolen. I mean, what... Well, what have you... Uh, yes, in part, that's correct. It was... Um, we are paying a massive price for, what, a decade of corruption, as is clearly being unraveled uh, through the Zondo Commission and others. Uh, we really are. But the truth about it, Michael, I mean, it isn't money. Um, you know, I noticed uh, in your introduction talking about the wealth tax. Well, if we had a wealth tax even at a particularly unprecedented... Uh, uh, level, what will we get? Five, 10 billion? Uh, I, I'm just talking optimistic figures. Even if it was 15. Just look at the fact that you've got a 300 billion rand decline in, in, in tax, a uh, uh, 7.8% GDP decline this year. And what is even much more depressing and much more significant for me is although he expects the economy to grow by 3.3% next year, which is presumably because you're coming off his pathetic base, Thereafter, if you look at the next two years, they're less than 2% each year. So where are you going to get the money from? Because unless we could grow consistently at 3-4%, we simply aren't going to be able over the medium term to be able to do a sufficient to balance the books.
0: And, and that is the issue here. You need a dual-pronged approach. You you need to attack both the numerator and the denominator in our debt-to-GDP ratio. So uh, on the debt level, you need to rein in expenditure uh, and also have uh, some kind of uh, uh, plan or path towards uh, a primary surplus. And, uh, and on the growth side, on uh, the denominator side of the equation, you've got to stimulate growth. You've got to get the economy going again. And a lot of that... Uh, really hinges on confidence. And so far, Judge Davis, the people that I've spoken to weren't inspired. They didn't uh, feel that there was enough in this budget to inspire confidence. Or, uh, I, yeah, I right. question what the finance minister could have done differently to inspire that confidence. Could he have said, no, I'm not going to fund SAA? Is that what the market would have looked at? Well, what, what could he have, have done laid, differently?
1: Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's uh, The market definitely, I think, would have had a look at the 10.5, whatever it is, and said, well, how the hell are we going to believe that you're going to actually depress uh, wages on the uh, public service sector if you're giving SAA 10.5? So I have no doubt that that's going to be one of the prevailing messages, one way or the other. Whatever the merits of SAA, whatever the merits of having a domestic airline uh, which is viable to carry tourism, that will be unquestionably uh, an image. But much more important than that is this. Uh, What could he have done? Well, um, as I say, I, I think we, we've got to be very, very cautious about the way we go about depressing expenditure. Because if you, I mean, there's no doubt about it, if you depress it too much in the short term, you know, then you're, you're not going to get out of the 7.8% spiral to anything which approximates decent growth. So there's a tremendous balancing act mm. between, if you wish, short term stimulation and longer term, um, if you could call it somewhat greater responsibility and prudence. So I don't see where that comes from. Um, You know, one of the things, uh, Michael, that I I, I was disappointed about right throughout is what's the image, what's the narrative for the economy going forward? Where's the narrative economics, as Robert Trello would say, which actually indicates that we are going to go down this path? Now, what I would suggest is that we build this image of the green economy, because uh, the president already did say that they were prepared to leave on the IPPs. But then when you've got the value chains up and down for the green economy and a reconstruction of the economy from that point of view, you start looking at it and saying, we can create many more jobs, we can create more investment, people will in fact invest in this. That gives confidence. I see very little that does, that triggers that sort of, Situation as because I'm just giving one narrative, there may be
0: others.
1: Unless you've got a narrative which suggests that's where we're going, that's the line of march we're taking, Um, and the line of march constantly be slamming on the anchors because, on its own, that's not sufficient. In fact, it may be counterproductive
0: and uh, i was speaking to michael uh, Katz uh, this morning uh, about yes. about the issue of um, tackling this debt crisis head on and um, there, there was some broad agreement on uh, a, a much more manageable or balanced approach to uh, cons- fiscal consolidation and to your point if you cut if you cut too deeply you're going to affect aggregate demand and it's the same issues uh, that the greeks dealt with in their sovereign debt crisis and uh, you have to strike that balance but what he said is what we need to do is broaden the tax base there were three things broaden the tax base um, and and increase the capacity of SARS, invest a bit more money in SARS to go for those quick wins that will have outsized returns to the fiskers, and then lastly, focus on growth, and focus on growth relentlessly and on execution. Was there anything in those three areas in this budget uh, to give you confidence that we're focusing on, broadening the tax base and supporting uh, SARS? The last one I think I've answered
1: already. Uh, In relation to the first two, let me say this. I agree entirely, I mean... Um, I'm not, getting, you know, I've been criticized before for suggesting there may be up to 100 billion and there's not even the north, as is the commissioner, of a tax gap. And of course, the uh, reason I get criticized for that is because, you know, you don't get that in one go. You know, you may get 20 billion in one year and 30 billion in the next, and you inch it up as you close the gap. But there's no doubt that SARS needs more resources. It doesn't need 10.5 billion, needs far less than that, probably a billion, maybe less to basically recapacitate itself. And I'm certainly working on this very hard, trying to get the private sector involved, in bringing in, having a real proper unit, if you wish, an El Capone unit of 100 highly qualified people to attack the tax gap as a targeted move. I'm absolutely convinced that that will help, significantly. More Certainly, we'll get much more than a 5.5 billion uh, uh, tax increase as a result of that. So I would be saying... I, you know, I've been trying to, to persuade everybody on this, if we, and the Commission is on board. That's one move. Secondly, in relation to the tax um, the expansion of the tax base, I'm afraid to say that's coupled to the third one. It's only when you start having growth and an economy that reconstructs itself that, in fact, you're going to broaden the tax base. We've inherited an apartheid-type economy with a pyramid, of income distribution, and it's coming home to bite us because the vast majority of people, they do pay tax, they pay that. But they're not going to be able to pay a lot more because they're not earning more. So you've really got, you know, you've really got to grow the economy to get an increase in the tax base and tax collection. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be going helter after the tax gap at this stage, because even if we get 20, 30, 40 billion more in, My goodness, it makes a difference.
0: Well, uh, we could have done with the 15 to 20 billion that uh, we flushed down the toilet because we didn't sell booze and cigarettes during lockdown. I mean, that's certainly coming back to bite.
1: We could get 20, 30 billion. I'm convinced of that in the short run. Capacitate the uh, SARS, target the place. Let's go after the illicit customs, as the president said, the transfer pricing with the high net worth individuals secreted money away and not to pay their tax on it. And I'm telling you, we get that. And that gives you confidence if you use that money for reconstruction purposes.
0: On the issue of the wage bill, and obviously the finance minister was at pains to say that uh, this is not his call to make Uh, entirely because there's another minister, Minister Ntunu, who is currently locked in negotiations. But there there does seem to be an obvious solution. Make a general offer to anyone over the age of 55 in public service that they can retire on full pension. Who would turn that down now? Now, obviously, there's then uh, pressure on the government employees' pension fund, uh, but that is, I mean, that could be funded over the next 40 years on a pay-as-you-go basis. What I'm saying is we could be creative around uh, what is turning out to be the big sticky elephant-in-the-room type issue, maybe apart from the ESCOM balance sheet?
1: Well, you know, i debated this issue I mean, you know, with Michael Sachs, and he made two points to me, which, 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 which really make that traction I want to share with your listeners. One is, of course, that um, so when you remember the public service sector, you've also got the policemen and the health workers and the teachers. And if you underpay those groups right, significantly by cutting, by cutting those areas, either you get less health care, less police, or more inefficiencies. And that's coupled to the second thing that he said, was the better rate you've got is to try to find a social compact with the unions in circumstances whereby perhaps they do get a salary increase, but at the same time, which is perhaps CPI, but they have to effectively sign very carefully constructed and calibrated efficiency agreements so that the taxpayer gets his bang for the buck.
0: I hear what you say, but what, what I'm saying is not effectively cutting uh in so much as taking from the top end obviously higher salary bands saying right you can take early pension yeah, you, that, you, you can, can go really, and spend yeah. in the economy and then you're creating an opportunity to employ lower down in the civil service. We know we need yeah. teachers and nurses yeah. and doctors. So it, it's just an innovative way to start attacking the wage bill as opposed to just saying, right, we're going to freeze or we're going to cut. We, yeah. we really need to think about creative ways to to tackle what is the runaway item. Uh, in the, in the, the, the press conference afterwards, because of that 300 billion rand decline in tax revenue, the percentage of revenue going to public sector wages this year is 57%, Judge David.
1: No, 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 no. I know that, and you don't. Need, I know that very well. All I'm saying is, what I, I'm sharing your point. That that whatever the proposal is, we need to be having right up front a sensible debate about how you nuance the problem, rather than some crude approach, which basically, which basically undermines service, and at the same time, perhaps even on the multiplier effect, depresses the economy and doesn't do the job. But the fact that you've got a deal, you can't have 57% of the budget because if you take that and then you take on top of that social grants, there's nothing for anything else.
0: Judge Dennis Davis, Davis Tax uh, Committee Chair, with his reaction to the medium-term budget statement, lots of uh, issues still remain.